You're listening to The Only Constant, a podcast about active hope. In today's conversation, we spoke with Jake Lander. Jake has a keen eye for light, working as a professional lighting designer and technician. Whether he's orchestrating lights for a church service, a theater show, or a concert, Jake understands the nuances of his art form. So sound guys will be like, well, no one wants to be there if you can't hear them. And it's like, my thing is always like, if I wanted to listen to them, I would go listen to them. I went to see them. You don't say, oh, I heard John Mayer last night. You say, I went to go see John Mayer. Lighting owns the party. Jake explains that lighting truly is an art form, deeply influenced by other forms such as painting. Lighting shapes our perception and emotional connection to a space. He believes that true mastery in any art form takes time. There's always another layer to discover, another shadow to cast, and another emotion to evoke. Hopefully, you find some hope today. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening today. And thank you, my friend, for coming on. Very exciting. <laughs> Let's start with your name and your pronouns. I am Jake Landher. My pronouns are he, him. Okay. And before coming on today, you gave us a list of passions. We talked about it. and We figured out a wonderful segue from one to the next. And we're going to start out with your passion about lighting. Yes. Let's see. Where do I start? I started as a carpenter on shows in high school because I just knew how to use tools because my dad was a carpenter for a long, long time. So our theater teacher just noticed that I was really comfortable in that environment. And then I just got the theater bug and couldn't get out of it. So yeah, but I didn't start lighting until college. And then I realized that that was definitely the place as a technician where I could use the most of my creative brain hmm. other than being maybe a set designer or something. I love it. I've been doing it professionally for a while now. COVID definitely put a damper on it because right when I was in the middle of college, I just, everything stopped obviously and couldn't get any gigs or anything. So like I have this... I don't know. My career is in a really weird time frame because of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I was lucky to get some work at a church, originally not as a lighting guy at all. I was just doing general things. I was helping with cameras, video, a little bit of lighting. The audio guy who had been there for like, I don't know, 20 years or something, was doing lights and sound, both very poorly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so... Finally, I was like, hey, I'm going to school for lighting. I, and I had never, I guess I had programmed stuff. I don't know. To the pastor, I was like, hey, I'm going to school for this. And like, he's clearly, you know, way too, uh, he's, he's spread way too thin. Just let me do the lights, please. <laughs> <laughs> no idea what I was doing. <laughs> but I'm glad that I was in that environment. Like, it, it's a super chill. It's Methodist. So they're, like, really laid back about everything, which is great. So, mm. um, yeah, and as I was going to school and as I was learning things on the job, I kind of slowly got better and better. And now I still actually work at that church, even though I've done all kinds of other stuff. But... Yeah, I'm doing stuff that's definitely way above my pay grade now. <laughs> so what goes into lighting, 
generally for people that might not know? So, yeah, it depends on what kind of lighting. There's so many kinds of lighting. One thing I pride myself on is that I have the theater and the live music experience. Mm-hmm. Those are actually shockingly like really different worlds. I thought that they were more similar before mm. I started working at a live music production company. I was like, yeah, I know what I'm doing coming from theater. <laughs> and it was an entirely new. I usually I raw dog life. So, I, that's the title of the episode yeah, yeah, so i just go into situations and i'm like i will i will figure this out and they're like are you sure i'm like probably and then i just start doing it and i do figure it out but not without definitely embarrassing myself breaking things and all that good stuff so, yeah so with classic theater lighting The thing that, like, I love about it and that surprises me the most is that actually one of the things that's helped me the most, I'm a horrible painter. I cannot get what's in my head down onto a piece of paper whatsoever. But knowledge about painting or drawing actually helps me when I'm lighting a lot because there's the color theory and then there's the focus. So what do I want the audience to focus on? That's obviously one of the biggest things in lighting, especially in theater. Yeah, where's the focal point? Yeah, and it's not done by just putting a light on someone and not putting it on others. You can do things where everyone is lit, but there's a clear center point, like in a painting. I can't think of names of paintings, but there's one specifically that comes to my mind it's the one classic piece where the military is like in a firing line on a bunch of innocent people Mm. the lighting is done just incredibly and it's framed so well so all of the focus is on one guy in the picture he's wearing white he's lit by like a lantern that's on the ground so it's coming up so it looks unsettling also Hmm. i'm just on a tangent now but it's like you can see everybody else clearly yes the focal point but you can see the the context and what's going on Mm. so a more simple way to put it would be like if i want someone to feel closer to me like they're not part of the background what do you do when you're drawing someone do you guys know no really if you want someone to pop out of the background you're going to outline them with a different color than is behind them. Uh, Yeah. And a different Mm. color than they are. Right. So usually, like, if you were drawing me from your perspective, you would probably outline me with white or something that's really bright because that's going to make me pop out. That's one of the many things about drawing that's actually helped me with lighting. So if I was lighting someone and I want them to pop out, I'm going to backlight the crap out of them because that creates that outline Mm. it pushes them towards the audience and away from their background we don't do that in theater very much because we want them to feel like they're a part of the world on the stage Mm. so you're going to front light them mostly Mm. okay so is that like one of the few things that really draws you to lighting in a production it's definitely one of the things i love lighting theory and like okay stuff I love art that you're not supposed to notice. Like in theaters, 
or in film, you're not supposed to notice the sound design or the foley. Mm. We watched Robots last night, one of the greatest films of all time. They're robots in a ball going in this big semicircle tube thing or like a slide <laughs> yeah. thing. And someone had to think about how that sounds, but they had to execute it so well that no one thinks about the fact right. that it's not a real sound. Yes. Yeah. It's like in Star Wars, music goes into this too a yes. lot in films. Sometimes, you know, obviously Star Wars has huge themes that you do notice. But what I'm trying to say is if a movie score is doing its job correctly, yeah, the music informs you on what's going on in the scene and also makes you feel a certain way. Because of how it sounds. Yeah, totally yeah. understand what no, you're exactly, saying. Exactly what I'm talking about. I've always loved art that you don't realize is art. And well, actually, Ted, you kind of provided a nice segue because you mentioned music. Jake, and correct me if I'm wrong, do you like concerts? I fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, why I do what I do. I mean, I get yeah. paid to see them and <laughs> be a part of them. That And how yeah. it's like there is the focal point of the stage, but everybody in the band still has to be lit. Mm-hmm. But continue. Yeah. yeah, so the thing that I always say, like lighting guys and audio guys will get into arguments at the shop, and I have the closer. So sound guys will be like, well, no one wants to be there if you can't hear them. And it's like, my thing is always like, if I wanted to listen to them, I would go listen to them. Yeah. I want to, I went to see them. You don't say, oh, I heard John Mayer last night. You say, I went to go see John Mayer. Lighting owns the party (laughs) in a concert. Again, it's that thing where like, you should never as a lighting designer be the focus of things people shouldn't be like look at the lights they should be like look at the performer and they should be emphasized by the lights Mm. yeah they're being elevated yeah because if i'm lighting like an acoustic set i shouldn't have beams and haze flashing (laughs) and spinning around like an edm concert yeah exactly so but by the same token if there's a high energy set then if i just kind of have lights pointing at them you don't feel the energy Mm. the way that you would with a big production. Mm-hmm. And it's making me think the like the stark differences, like you were saying, between classic theater mm-hmm. and the modern production that we yes. see on a stage. You know, yeah. it's complete the type of lighting that's used, like LED versus standard and the heat oh that God. those things give off. It's crazy. Another whole aspect is of of the job is the technical stuff. Basically half the job, especially in live music where you're using intelligent lights they're robots. Hmm. You're learning how to program robotics on like a really simple level. Almost everything has a little motor hmm. in the light. So I can have a gobo in, which a gobo for people don't know is, it's almost like a projection. You can put a shape into the beam of light and cast that shape okay. onto something. So like if you want leaves on the ground, you can put a leaf gobo in. Gotcha. So lights will have a bunch of those on sometimes different wheels so the light goes through it changes the actual wheels so that the gobo's in it they're very complicated machines and Mm. they're exorbitantly expensive one of my jobs at the company i worked for was to hit the sykes building in tampa with the lightning logo 
which was super fun. Dude, yeah. Yeah. I think the whole rig, including the board and the cable, was into $50,000. <laughs> oh, my God. So if you break it, are you if paying I break for it? it? Yeah, so if you're Probably raw dog in fire. life <laughs> and you break the shit, what do you do yeah, then? Yeah, huh? I know. Okay. The good thing is is that everyone in the concert industry is also raw dogging life. <laughs> So it's very safe. <laughs> it, like, there's not really many things that you can do to actually break them, especially when you're spending that much money. They're IP rated. So when mm. it was raining on the lights, you know, they just keep going. It actually looks really cool because then the light is going through. It's almost like a haze at that yeah, point. I'm cool. feeling a Batman vibe from this. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, but I mean the differences in capabilities, it goes so deep. Like the programming and the actual technical the the equipment. Yeah, it goes really deep. So a ton goes into lighting. And then you have to think about rigging, like the actual weight. Lights and truss are so mm -hmm. heavy, cable is extremely heavy. When you're using every light needs multiple cables. And there's a way you have to wrap the cables and everything. Yeah. It's like you can't even. Yeah. yeah. It's like you yeah, just jumble them together and throw them in a box. No. If, you, <laughs> if you're seen doing this thing to <laughs> like a cable, the hose you're, thing, you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> you're fired so fast. Yeah. Because that's like one of the easiest ways you can tell whether or not someone knows what they're doing on a stage as if they're wrapping a cable around their arm. Dude, I can't even wrap our microphone cables the right <laughs> way. Ted has to do it. I'm like, Ted, can you please just... Thanks. <laughs> Honestly, I'm talking about all the cool stuff of lighting, but 80% of what I've been paid for is untangling cables. <laughs> That's actually like most of my job. And staying calm <laughs> while you do it, man. Yeah. But And you actually just mentioned it earlier, but you said we watched Robots last night, which mm -hmm. we did. Yeah. I totally agree with you. One of the best movies ever made. Yeah. And... It's making me think about how integral lighting is to movies as well. Mm -hmm. And this will be the third art form we've touched on. Real quick, let's just dive into how you would tackle lighting in a movie, if you even know. Yeah, so film is definitely the thing I know least about, but it's, it's really the same. The only specific thing that you need to know would be about how to adjust lights for cameras. <laughs> which I definitely know a little bit about. And it's it's basically like really simple color theory. So if a camera is not picking up enough red wavelengths of light, everything's going to look kind of green. If it points at a purple object, that thing is going to look blue because there's not enough red in it. So you're thinking about what the opposite wavelength is. So if a camera just has, is, is, predisposed to having too much of one color in it you want to put the opposite in your light that's pretty much like as far as what i've needed to know for filming that's kind of the as deep as my stuff goes sounds like a balancing act definitely okay. um for cameras you don't want stuff to reflect into the lens too much generally they stay away from shiny surfaces on a lot of film sets hmm until they did the uh, Star Wars thing that Mandalorian does. What is that room called? The With volume. all the screens around mm. it. Because then you can get the environment. Exactly. So you have and natural lighting, lighting mm -hmm. in a controlled cool. environment, which is so amazing. Yeah. So the company I'm going to work for up in New England has two of those rooms. I don't think they're called the volume because, like, Disney has a patent for it probably. <laughs> but it's it's the same exact type of rig. Change the game 
I mean, it really yeah. did Star Wars. Well, it's it's just kind of what they deal. do. <laughs> so, like, a really big issue for visual effects people is that they're always shooting on, like, a blue screen for the last 20 years. And now your people look blue, but the environment that they're in may not look blue. Now you're doing all kinds of weird color correction and stuff for your your people. And it just... it's. Lighting is is so important because we see each other in light constantly. Mm-hmm. We see the world in light constantly. Mm. So if anything is the slightest bit wrong, you might not know exactly what's wrong, but your brain will tell you that something is wrong, and it's mm. going to go uncanny valley immediately. Hmm. I mean, even right now, the way you're lit here in our little recording yeah. studio is your shadow uh-huh. is on the right side of your face if somebody did a digital effect of you and it didn't look exactly like it does right now i could totally tell absolutely that's one of my favorite things that i still want to learn more about a light coming from here means a completely different thing to your brain from a light coming from down here Really? So yeah. there's a difference between a light from above and a light from below. Oh my God! You're okay. Huge. Okay. You're, you're, okay. Yeah, because light in nature should never come from below you. Mm-hmm. Period. Very rarely. It's it's <laughs> almost just never happens like naturally. Yeah. So when that happens, it's uncanny valley, which can work to your benefit if you're doing a horror show or if you want to do something jarring. Mm-hmm. You use that that bottom light. Oh, now I'm thinking of like sitting by a campfire and telling ghost stories and you hold a flashlight underneath your face. That's exactly what that is. Okay. Oh, okay. Interesting. That's exactly what does it. Because if you have a nice key light, a nice key light ideally would be like 45 degrees up and 45 degrees out Hmm. both directions. That's going to give you like the most natural. That's going to fill you out the best. So anything really different from that is going to be kind of jarring to your brain, but all all in different ways. Side lighting is going to feel different than backlight and et cetera. Yeah. Wow. I just want to know, before we end this first half, how lighting has shifted your perspective of the world and how you see it, literally. Yeah, so it's kind of what we were talking about. One of the most powerful things that I've realized recently is that every one of your memories is lit in a specific way that makes you feel a specific way about it. (sighs) Everything that you see is lit in a specific way that's going to change the way that you feel about it. I've never thought about that. Like, you think about a color palette when you think about anything, really, and lighting is, is... the color and the direction and the intensity. So, I mean, I think it's one of the most important things in our day-to-day life is where your light is coming from, how intense it is, and what color it is. That's crazy, man. Thank you. I'm glad I asked that. All right. We're going to take a quick break. See you all soon. Bye. We'd like to take a second to shout out our monthly patrons. Thank you to Aaron B., Christina S., Corbin G., Dan W., Mimi S., Kareem A., and Luciano B. for their continuous support of the podcast. Everything we do on this show wouldn't be possible without the generous support of listeners like you. Consider joining us on Patreon, where for just $1 a month, you can support the podcast and help us even more in the conversation about Active Hope. Now, back to the episode. 
Hey, everybody. We're going to start off the second half with your love for your father. You yes. mentioned him previously in the beginning. You, I mean, that was one yeah. of the first things yeah, you mentioned. He was a carpenter for a long time, and he taught you all those skills. So go ahead. Yeah, yeah. he was a carpenter. So my dad's life was insane, and that's why he was kind of a lunatic. <laughs> um, just to preface this, my dad passed away, I think, two months ago now, March 29th, after a short battle with liver cancer that he had only been diagnosed with four months beforehand. And I wanted to talk about him because um, I don't get to often, I feel like. And I think people think it's just a sore subject, so they don't want to bring it up. But I want to talk about him hmm. desperately. So that was kind of why I want... That was like one of the big points for me. Okay. Because um, he's such a... He, he's he's the biggest part of who I am. <laughs> um so he grew up in the worst town in New Jersey in the 60s and 70s in the projects. He was one of 12 kids. Um, wow. And his dad was in and out of the house, alcoholic, super abusive. His mom did what she could. So uh, he saved his sister from a house fire when he was eight years old um he he ran into the burning building and pulled her out and he said like if my brother wasn't screaming to go get her i would have left her but like (laughs) that was his joke about it oh my god (laughs) yeah he couldn't let anything be too serious for too long that's for sure Mm -hmm. (laughs) um Definitely not. God, no, no. <laughs> I mean, you guys know him. You, yeah. You were at, you, all my friends practically lived at my house yep. for all of high school. So yeah. He um, was one of the most giving individuals. Oh my God. I've ever Without a thought. Without, n- not even questioning a little bit. No. I drank all of your chocolate milk. Yeah. I ate all of your mac and cheese. <laughs> you ate everything. We played we Risk in your dining room and we yelled while they were sleeping and they still yeah. let us do it. They were happy to let us do it. It's yeah. crazy, man. I know. And he was definitely the biggest perpetuator of that environment, <laughs> I think. Because um, he never emotionally grew past high school. Mm. So he was super happy with us in high school just being there all the time, which we were there. You guys were at my house more than you were at your own a lot of the time. Hands down. Yeah. Not even going to argue with you on that yeah. one. I loved your house. No, I mean, that's a sure thing for like most of my friends and there was a lot of us that was home base yeah (laughs) um god anyways so yeah but he i mean he had a really really rough upbringing i don't know specifics because he wasn't always open about everything but like i know he had his ribs broken in like a gang fight or Mm. something at one point he was like I think, I don't know, when I was like 12 or 11 or something, I broke a bone and I asked him if he had ever done it. And he was like, yeah, I got hit with a baseball bat, like right here. And I was like, did you go to the hospital? He was like, no, I couldn't afford that. Whoa. (laughs) I mean, his his life was insanity. Wow. Being one of 12, I would say half of them did not come out in the best mental shape because how do you 
growing up in an environment like that. Mm. Yeah. Um, God. Anyways, he had his he had his first drink when he was eleven. Hmm. And then, and he said he swore he would never drink again. And then, all throughout his teens, and I think most of his twenties, he was a degenerate alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, he had my half sister when he was eighteen, mm-hmm. I think. So she grew up with in a lot of that chaos. And then, um, got sober at I believe in his in his mid to late twenties. Hmm. And um, was sober for well over 30 years when he passed away. Hmm. And so hmm. I thought because his mom was very unhealthy and his dad, I don't think, ever stayed sober. He kind of dabbled in sobriety but always went back. Hmm. And he smoked like a chimney. He just died, I think, four or five years ago. Mm. his dad so i always thought that my dad having had his shit together for so long would just live until he was 130 yeah um yeah which i i don't know might have been naive of me but uh yeah then he had me he met my mom probably 97 and had me on new year's eve of 1999 i hate that I'm going to say this right now, but he actually was the only constant <laughs> in my life from the day Aww. I was born until two months ago. Because my, my mom uh, struggled with drugs too hmm. since I was like eight, and she's been sober for a couple of years now, and she's doing really well now. Hmm. But, um, you know, my grandma, who's an angel, was kind of far away for a lot of the time and I didn't always have someone who's just there and like the thing that I mean I don't know yeah it hurts I'm Mm. I'm kind of I've been very lucky to have not lost a lot of people which is I think part of what made this such a huge deal was because I'm not used to grieving this way. Mm. I understood what death was, but I didn't understand what it meant is what I've been telling people. Um, just kind of like every day I'm realizing that like, Oh my God, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go back home and tell them about how my trip was Mm. stuff like that. That just tears a piece out of your heart every single day. Mm. I want to real quick, even though it does, there are pieces possibly that are being torn away. I would love to highlight some of the things that he taught you. Absolutely. That keep you going in those moments. He taught me everything. He taught me how to make things. Like how many guys our age anymore can like take a block of wood and a saw and make a thing out of it? I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I mean like he he taught me like old-timey skills mm-hmm. and stuff cuz he had to do everything himself in the environment that he grew up in. Mm. Most of all he taught me how to love and he taught me how to cherish and he taught me how to um Yeah, I mean that I mean those are the that that's the biggest thing. Mm. He taught me that things are finite. Hmm. 
He taught me all of the things about myself that I love. <laughs> he really did. He was he was so incredible. It doesn't make any sense that he came from where he did and the environment that he grew up in and then turned into an extremely emotionally intelligent person. Mm -hmm. When I was talking to one of my cousins at his celebration of life, he said, like, yeah, I only talked to your dad once a year recently, but every time he would bring up something extremely specific that I forgot from our last conversation, you know, because he was so... If you were talking to him, you were the only thing that existed at that moment. He had that quality. I think you guys know that when when you were talking to him, he was just fully there. It was it was this experience that I feel like is kind of unique now with people. Hmm. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's 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 amazing, especially considering how he grew up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just want you to know. Well, you probably already know this. I don't even need to say it, but I'm gonna say it anyway, just to validate you. But he's very proud of you. I think so. Yeah. Well, he he made it very clear every. That's the other thing that I miss so desperately is that every time, like I told him that I was working at Amelie Arena once, and he was like, "Oh my god, that's so cool!" And he was like, he was like really getting into it. He was like. <laughs> He was like, you got to go on the ice? I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I don't give a shit about sports, so I was like, I don't... I was, like, I was working. Like, yeah. I don't care. And then a month later, if I ever talked to any of my family, they were like, so I heard you worked for, like, the hockey people? Like, <laughs> he, he was so... He was so proud of me. Yeah. Mm. He was... He was the, the thing that he always drove home was like, I'm just so happy you didn't end up like me. <laughs> but mm. but the but that's so apparent and I'm going to reinforce that because I saw that he held you to a standard. Yeah. Like in high school. Like as much as he yeah, was true. giving and caring, I mean I obviously disagree with me if you, you just said it was true, but if you feel like you changed your mind, please do. Um but he like as selfless as he was, he also understood the boundaries that need to be put in certain cases, right? And and yes. there were a few moments yes. where it didn't matter that we were standing around you. He'd be like, Jake, dot, 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 whatever the fuck he would say after, but we knew it was serious. And we'd be yeah. like, I'm tuning it out. <laughs> yeah, Because just like totally. you said, when he talked to you, he was locked in. Mm-hmm. You know, he said what he meant, he meant what he said. Oh my God, that's true. I never actually looked at it from you're so right like from the other way if he saw me doing something wrong he nipped it in the bud and he was very clear about how he felt about it yeah and it was a it was a thing yeah you're right well sweet i'm glad i wasn't wrong (laughs) super right yeah and that taught me just you know just so you know his lessons expanded much far. i know that you know this but they expanded much farther than just you and his close friends and everything even just me being your friend and me being around him you know mm-hmm. the lessons that he imparted to me were i mean we've already touched on it i just want you to know i absorbed it as well nice. and it's like it's so cool to have in a weird way it was like a you know, like a father adjacent figure that's what everyone's been saying yeah because you know we i I'm still in contact with almost all my friends from that point. And people who I wasn't even expecting were like, yeah, he was like a, he was like a father figure to me. Mm. 
I knew that our friend John was going to say that because he was always, always, always there. Mm-hmm. But like, I wasn't expecting it from everyone. And that's just so cool to hear. It's so cool that we had him. When I found out that he was terminal, most of my tears at that time, weirdly enough, right up until he died, I didn't really have a lot of fear. I didn't really have a lot of anything except like gratitude that I got to have that dad. Hmm. He yeah. left a lasting legacy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. I think he did. Mm. I, yeah. I don't want to monopolize the conversation, Ted. Go ahead. I'm just listening. I mean, I knew your dad a little less long than everybody else, but I mean, I still do remember times talking to him and the, the word I would use to describe your dad from my experience is big. You know? <laughs> yeah. Not only yeah. was yes. not only was he a tall man. Yeah. But he was just I don't know. He was one of those people that when he was in the room, you knew he was in the room. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he was cool. I just yeah. remember him never ever being unpleasant, you know? Yeah. Like every human has their moments where they're definitely you know he did. annoyed about stuff right <laughs> he did. but it's like you could tell he wasn't he could tell he wasn't like a bad dude oh my by god, any yeah. means oh my god yeah mm-hmm. anyway i guess you know we talked about the lessons he gave to you and and how he impacted people's lives around him and so i mean is there anything else we have on the list i didn't know if there was something we could move into well or if we wanted to kind of just maybe wrap it up here in a way that because we talked about your father and the ways that he impacted your life mm-hmm. and the lessons you've taken from him and now the career that you've chosen with lighting and yeah. just art in general. Yeah. Moving up north here just a Moving little bit. Moving up north soon. Yes. How have you changed the world around you? Hmm. That is interesting. I don't really know how I've changed the world around me. I think I think I do make an impact or an impression on people. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's safe to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean well, I definitely so working at a church and I'm like super atheist. <laughs> um so but working at a church, I'm still giving people that experience, th- that religious experience that people talk about, and I get to give people that. I think that w- for any live music, any live music is a religious experience. That's why rock shows and religion have kind of intertwined in the last <laughs> 20 years. Yeah. Christian rock! Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Um, not my thing, but <laughs> I'll, I'll light it. Sure. Um, <laughs> I know how to light it. I mean, look at my shirt. I am not. I'm not a. Uh, yeah. So for anyone that can't see the shirt, it's a dude with a bunch of pins in his face. It's Pinhead from Hellraiser. Yeah. And it's also a. Uh, so look up that guy. Shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seems like the lighting is coming from the bottom and everything. I mean, exactly. They use a lot of bu- uplighting. They use a lot of uplighting in Hellraiser. Yes. So, so you're able to give people an experience. I'm able. I love that I can have a hand in giving people 
that experience. Yeah, I, I love that I can contribute to art. Art is the thing that makes us human. As far as I'm aware, there's not another organism that makes art for the fuck of it. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. things, there's birds that like dance or something, but mm-hmm. they're doing it to attract a mate. Like, like anything that we might um, interpret as art in the animal kingdom is really like has an ulterior motive, some sort of utility behind it. Absolutely. Um, the thing that makes us human is art hmm. and our uh, ability to comprehend and experience the universe is also like an incredibly powerful thing like nothing else alive gets to understand that they're on a rock hurtling through space yeah aimlessly um <laughs> and that i think that kind of scares some people but it, it definitely comforts me and it makes me realize how lucky i am like there's nothing i i don't in my opinion there's no reason that I should exist or that I get to exist. I just do. And I think that's really cool that I can like go outside and I can feel sun hitting me. And I, and the fact that I can go outside and think that it's beautiful, nothing else in the world like looks at a mountain and is like, (sighs) yeah, (laughs) like, like that's a human thing. And so is art. Hmm. And so I think getting to contribute to that is definitely going to be my, um, that's my thing. That's who I want to be. I, I just want to help contribute to art in some way. I love it. Dude, you are already, man. And you're making a difference. Dude, a religious experience offered by an atheist. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least helped along by. (laughs) I mean, it's part of... It's part of why I'm so atheist is because, like, I feel like a magician because, like, I'm selling a thing that I know is, I know what it is, Mm -hmm. and they are seeing it and it's God to them, but I'm like, this is electricity and science, it's wavelengths (laughs) and programming and all that stuff. Um, dude, and I'm, uh, but I'm glad I can do it. I mean, it's, it's, there's nothing as rewarding as like, if the music is in a bridge and it's building up and you're like doing whatever you're doing and there's nothing like them breaking into the final chorus and they get an applause as your lights explode. Yeah. There's nothing like, there's no better high than running a perfect show to me. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of live for it. That's the selfish half (laughs) of, uh, what I do, but I do think that, um, making art as a human is like the best thing that you can do. I think it's, yeah, I don't know. That's just, that's just how I feel. Mm, man. And I love the feeling it's dude. It's, it's, it's just flowing right out of you and it's very infectious i'm soaking mm-hmm. it up like a sponge I'm smiling right now nice. um thank you so much again for coming of on course. today dude I'm so happy i got to do it I, yeah man when you guys told me december of i think 2020 that you guys were on a podcast 
or were going to do a podcast, I yeah. knew there was a chance that I would be on it, and it only took me two and a half years. <laughs> we did it, baby. We did it. <laughs> Thank God it's now, though, so yeah, we learned the lessons we needed to. Yeah. I'm glad it was now, too, because yeah. I actually have something going on now. Like, two years ago, I wasn't lighting as much because it was COVID, and it was right. ridiculous. So, Dude, you have so offered like some... more to offer perspective shifting shit today definitely man yeah i'm proud of myself for saying the the memories and lighting that was a good one that was awesome man that was cool well for those of you listening that was jake lander and hopefully you found some hope today thanks for listening to the only constant we show how people use their passions to change the world around them every day to learn more about our mission visit onlyconstantpodcast.com Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Only Constant Podcast to see even more and stay updated with the show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or Spotify, leaving a review or rating for the podcast helps us learn what's working and what's not. We value your feedback. Hopefully, you found some hope today. <laughs>